Kyle Busch led the most laps today, 103. But Chase Elliott and his Hendrick Motorsports Camaro going to lead the last one. Yeah, boy. Caution, out, check a flag. Caution, checker, Martin Truex. Comes to grief on the last lap. Him and Chastain. I, I want to see a replay on this, but I'm telling you, went for it. Hello and welcome back to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And we've got an absolutely jam-packed episode. It's almost like a double episode here for Darlington and the Derby. So to give you a quick glance at what is ahead on this longer episode, so hopefully you hang with us the whole time here, we're going to start by doing a quick recap of Dover, going to go over what happened there in that race, what happened with our bets, came out pretty good, and uh, feeling pretty good coming out of that race, but we'll, we'll dive into it, who's hot, who's not, that whole thing. Then we will turn our attention to Darlington, that's where we're going this weekend, we'll dig into some track stats we'll get into some picks we're going to go with a little bit of a strategy this week for our picks at darlington and then finishing position bet of the week the tool hangers bet of the week and then head to heads mother's day parlay it's a mother's day race so i got something special at the very end there for a mother's day parlay so stick around for that and then at the end of the nascar segment we are going to transition into kentucky derby talk any Racing fans out there, most likely you do dip your toe into the horse racing waters. And we've got May Hemily from Twitter. You may know her. You may follow her. She's very popular on there. Um, Emily from Optics EQ. She was gracious enough to join me this week to give me an absolutely fantastic breakdown of what to expect uh, from the Derby this weekend. So stick around for that because she gives good picks. We talk about a ton of different horses and why we like certain horses and why we don't. So great stuff. The second half of this episode. So let's start by taking a look back at Dover. It was a rain delayed race. They only got about 75, 78 laps in on Sunday before the rain took over in Dover and then pushed the race to Monday at noon. And, you know, always kind of wonder if the race played out normal on Sunday, you know, butterfly effect, what happens? You know what I mean? It always goes through my mind, but had to watch the race on Monday while I was in meetings, you know, race on silent. So I didn't get to hear most of what the announcers were talking about, just kind of following along. And I felt a little uneasy for most of the race. I don't know why I had a lot of different bets going on and just never really felt comfortable, right? Until the end and um, didn't really enjoy to me i mean i couldn't hear what they're saying like i said because i was in meetings but didn't really seem like he could pass for the lead you know all the the passing was being done on the restarts and then it was like who could survive the restart and then once they're gone they're gone wasn't really a huge fan of that until we had chase elliott take over so chase is somebody that we had plus 900 and you know they had a good restart before he took the lead where he and ross were just battling neck and neck all the way around. Now, right as they were battling, there was a spin. 
So they had to do it again, and then Chase took over and ran away with it. And I was just praying that there wasn't going to be another caution, and luckily there wasn't. So plus 900, big cash in. We're feeling really happy about the odds that we got on him, and the, the outright pick cannot be disappointed when that happens. And on top of that, because he was a Hendrick driver, we cashed our toolhangers.com bet of the week. The first one. We got some money in the account there for the gift card at the end of the regular season. So very happy that we got something in there. I was very nervous that we are going to have a bit of a monkey on the back with some zeros in there for a while. But we got something in there. So that was plus 145. So great stuff there to start the, the sponsored bet of the week. I love it. And uh, the other thing was I hope people caught this on Instagram. I put this out there on Insta stories, but Barstool happened to be running a special of their own when it came to which team do you think? So it kind of coincided with that bet of the week that we threw out there. And you got bonus $10 for each driver that team had in the top 10. So not only do you hit your bet with Chase winning, but there were three drivers out of Hendrick for the top 10. So that's an extra 30 bucks they threw your way. Uh, so not too shabby there. Now, after that, there was some things that just really didn't go our way. For one, some of the head-to-head matchups, we had Logano completely off. We had him over Hamlin. That was a terrible pick in hindsight, in Monday morning quarterback type of thing, or Tuesday morning quarterback, I guess you could say. Logano was just terrible. And even with Denny Hamlin's problems that he faced all throughout the day, losing a damn wheel, he still beats Logano in that matchup. Then I had Redick over Ross Chastain, and I was very hard on Chastain in this podcast on Derek's betting preview show on his Twitter spaces, and I, you know, this is my apology. I gotta say sorry to Ross, but I will make it up to him on this episode, so stick around because this is my apology tour this week for Ross Chastain. Um, the top 10s, Threw Custer out there as a complete long shot. We said if we swung and miss on that one, we were going to be upset. But I was kind of upset because he was a complete non-factor throughout the day. He was running like 28th, 23rd. Eventually worked his way up to mid-teens. I think he finished like 16th, 15th, but was never really a threat for that top 10 like I thought he would be. I thought that bet would be more fun than it was, and it just didn't work out that way. And Suarez... We're going to touch on him later in a head-to-head matchup. I'm flipping the script on him. He let us down in the the top 10 segment. But um, race day, I threw out Chris Buescher, get him for a top 10. He got the pole, looked really good, practice qualifying, snagged a top 10 with him. So pretty happy that that went our way. So all in all, there were some good and bads. But when you're cashing outrights, you really can't complain. So very happy with the outcome, even though I was very uneasy watching the race unfold. So if that makes any sense to you. So now we will move to Darlington. And, you know, looking back, right, I I always feel like I get excited about Darlington. And then I like, whoa, you know, is that really a, a fun race to watch? So in order to get that back, I went back to look at Jeff Gluck's Twitter poll. Was it a good race? And generally speaking, Darlington has brought in some good numbers. The fall race... Uh, has been better the last couple years, but they just moved to multiple races a year just uh, two years ago. So there hasn't been anything below 70 in the time that he's been doing this race, 70% of the people saying it was a good race. Um, last fall, we, we saw 90%. The year before that, it was another 90 plus percent. So I think we could, could see some good action 
this weekend. I'm, I'm really hoping for that because we're starting to get into cookie cutter season here in a little bit. And, you know, you got to hope that the combination of this new car and, you know, these guys starting to figure it out a little bit better, bring some good racing to light for us. And hopefully this weekend is uh, the start of that. So we got Mother's Day racing might be a little tough for some people like myself i know uh 3 start on mother's day is not ideal might not be able to watch all of that race but we'll see uh got some prior commitments but you know we'll, we'll see what happens i think they for a while were racing saturday night of mother's day weekend so um this is kind of a newer thing to me having to deal with that and uh, stay tuned because we've got a little bit of a special in the head-to-head section for the mother's day parlay so stick around for that. So let's get into some track stats for Darlington. This is a rougher racetrack. You're going to, you know, hear about tire wear and everything like that. 121 races in the Cup Series lifetime at this track. The winner has started from the pole 20 times. The last time it happened was Kevin Harvick. We're starting to see that a lot more now. Whenever we do these stats, it seems like the pole, the last time the person won from the pole was of multiple years ago. Um, winners starting in the top five 60% of the time and the top 10 84% of the time. I just want to call out the fact that that is higher than the average, than what we normally see week to week. 60% starting in the top five, 84% top 10. What that means is we're going to talk about these bets. We are going to, you know, make picks that we think are educated and, you know, are full of information, but... You really need to readjust after qualifying because if there's somebody that is standing out to you, it's hitting you the right way that we're not talking about, if they're in the top 10, you're going to want to jump on them. And if these guys are not that we're about to talk about, you might want to reconsider because those numbers are staggering. Starting outside the top 20, it's only happened six times. The last time it happened was one of the pit road reporters, Regan Smith, in 2011. My goodness, I think he was driving the 78 car. Um, that was a while back. So, again, same thing. If a guy that you like, doesn't have to be any of these guys that we're talking about today, picks to win, but if there's a driver that you had thrown in money on or you were thinking about doing that and they qualify outside the top 20, look out. You know, I don't really think that that's as doable. As far as manufacturers trends, excuse me, Chevy is the hot hand right now in 2022, but they have not won a race in 11 races here at Darlington. That is crazy to me when you think about the Chevy talent that has been over the last 11 races. Like that is insane. Toyota has the hot hand here. Seven of the last 10 races, they have been the winner. So put a pin in that when we get to some stuff later in the finishing positions and our bet of the week. So let's now take a look at the favorite, Kyle Larson. He started as the favorite six to one, immediately dropped down to, to plus 450 right after that. So a lot of people were hawking the odds. And as soon as they dropped, you know, you can get them in various places, six to one. It obviously updated pretty much overnight. And uh, that's really where he stays right now i think plus 500 he might be up to now in some places uh so you know if you like harvick excuse me if you like larson at that number then you know he's still there you can get him it seems like it's pretty stable at that point i am going to continue to fade the favorites to win right so i don't dislike larson this week i think there's 
a way that you can play Larson and be profitable this week. For example, plus 130 for a top three. I'm all over that. Kyle Larson has finished in the top three at Darlington four times in a row. He's been the bridesmaid here, second place, three times in a row now. So there's a way to play that. But we have not seen a favorite win the race in this 2022 season since Fontana. So that makes me a little skeptical. Look at last week. Uh, Larson was such a heavy favorite at Dover. He had the stats. He had you know everything going for him, qualified well, and he doesn't get it done. So that, to me... You know, he's like, hey, let me find a different way to play that guy because he's clearly good here. And that, to me, is the play. Top three plus 130. I like that. I, my strategy this week, I'm going for more of the longer shot. The the longer shot. When I say longer, I'm not talking about moonshots here. I'm talking about something that's more concise, something that, you know, makes sense with the information that we have. And if it did hit, it'd be a really good cash out. Like last week, Chase Elliott plus 900. That was a really good cash out. It was a little bit of a longer shot in my eyes compared to what we're looking at down there at plus 500, plus 600, some of these guys we're looking at. So that's my strategy this week. I know that I'm avoiding some of the the guys higher on the list, but I want to take a larger swing here coming out of a, a decent week at Dover. So let's start it off with a guy who's going off at plus 1,000 right now, and the name is Kyle Busch. It's value over everything with this one because it's pretty close to call. Last 10 races at Darlington. No wins. He does have a career win here at Darlington, FYI. But in the last 10, zero wins, four top fives, seven top tens. His average finish in the last 10 races is 10.3. That's eighth on the circuit. Driver rating, and by the way, for the record, my driver rating stats are only going back the last eight races. So I, when I throw that out there, I just need to be upfront about that. A little bit different than some of these others, but uh, the driver rating in the last eight, sixth place, 95.3. So he crashed last race pretty early, and that's going to throw him off a little bit when we're looking at some of these stats, but he's been relatively consistent in his last 10 races. Two second-place finishes, two third-place finishes. He has a third-place finish last spring, this race a year ago. Now, looking back on the, the highlights from last race here, the Southern 500 and last fall, it really seemed like, you know, track position was everything. It was needed to be up front in order to be a factor in that race. It was, you know, kind of tough to pass for the lead. And, you know, you needed that track position. So who knows if that new car is going to change any of that. But what we saw last week was it was kind of similar to that. Um, you needed the, the track position. And he stood out to me last week. He definitely could have won that race. He led the most laps and, you know, those restarts and everything, like he was able to kind of keep it together. And once he got out front, he was gone. So he's starting to put it together a little bit. He got screwed with the caution. He was on pit road when that happened. Now, thankfully, that happened for, for us, anyone who was tailing my bets there with Elliott and everything else. But he was a force. And that's something that, you know, we need to take note of. He was able to handle that adversity of being caught on pit road when that caution came out, and he finished seventh still. He rallied back. So five straight top tens this year. Seems like he's maybe starting to heat up. That includes that you know little snake win he had at Bristol Dirt. But this is a value pick for a guy that is definitely in the hunt 
to win a race. Like if he were to win Darlington, right? Monday morning comes around and you check your phone and you say, oh, Kyle Busch won at Darlington last night. That would not shock a lot of people. So at plus 1,000, this is the value pick that I'm going here. He has a decent resume and I think that he could get it done. I think he's coming on strong here this season at the right time at a good track for Toyota. The next two guys I'm calling out are from the Chevy camp, the the camp that has not won in 11 races. Now, the reason we're doing that is because of the 2022 love. They are dominating. They're 11, seven for 11 this year. So they got to keep it going if we want to hit these bets here. So we're going to start with uh, Hendrick Camp, and it's not the favorite Kyle Larson. It's not our guy from last week. It's William Byron, plus 1,200. Last week gives us a great opportunity here this week, right? Because Dover was very rough for William Byron. No qualifying that completely like screwed up their weekend. Then he's fighting from the back. In the end of stage one, he was already like halfway through the field. At one point, he was in the top 10. Then he got shuffled back. He finished outside the top 10. I think it was like 13th or something like that. But he fought all day long a ton of adversity. Now, the reason I say that's good for us is because if he were to go out and finish, you know, top five, top three, I don't think we would see William Byron at this number at plus 1,200. I think he would be down there in the plus 800 range. I think his season is still something that is like worth marveling at here. So looking at it, now my statistic uh, website is, I'm not very good at trying to determine like what are the comparable tracks, right? I kind of let the the system tell me that. I hear other people throwing ideas out there of like, okay, this is a track that is uh, equal to or, or very similar to. Um, my website's telling me that Vegas is something that is comparable to this track, and he finished fifth at Vegas. Another track is Homestead. He won Homestead last year. So those are things, you know, if that is true, that's something that it's a check in the right box here for Willie B at plus 1,200. Seven races in his career at Darlington. Two top fives, two top tens. All right, it's been more of an all or nothing for him in the past. He was kind of figuring this place out early on. Got helped out by 2020, having a lot of experience with three races there as a young driver. He finished fourth last spring. He won the pole in 2019. So, you know, I know that bet's out there. He clearly was good off the truck. That is a possibility to be good off the truck here. And he got caught in a big wreck in that one. So no fault of his own. He finished 21st in that race that he started on the pole. But he's picked up stage points. This is something I've kind of been like looking at recently when we've got drivers who are kind of all over the place there with their finishes. He's picking up stage points in five of the seven races in his career. The first race ever, he didn't pick any up. And then the last race, he didn't pick any up because of a wreck. Again, that was not his fault. So this is more of a value play here. He's got two top fives in his last three races. I like it. I think because of this season, because of what we're seeing out of him and the comparable tracks, this is a rebound race. I think plus 1,200 makes a lot of sense to me here for William Byron. So if Chevy's going to break that trend, why not him? I really think if you're going for the money play, the value play, Byron is there for the picking. The last guy that I'm going to call out here, you may have an inkling of who I'm going with here. Part of my apology tour, I'm going with Ross Chastain plus 1,400 if you can't beat him 
join him. He was the villain last week. I was cheering against him. I did not want him to mess up my bets, and now I need him to be the hero this week. All right, because with Ross, I was always just saying to myself, like, he's not that good, right? Oh, it's a road course win. Oh, it's a super speedway win. Oh, he's doing well, but it's because of X, Y, Z. I'm done with that. You know what I mean? He, I, I got to admit, when we want to see new faces and one is emerging, I don't know why I'm trying to like keep him away. Like He's somebody new to bet on, and you can bet on him with confidence. So I like it. He's becoming a big dog in this 2022 season. Last week was impressive. He was not supposed to be as good as what he was, right? If you're looking at the past history and, and everything that we talked about, we called him out. You know, Larson was a huge favorite in a featured matchup. I was saying, like, that is an absolute joke. I think the matchup with Tyler Reddick that we called out specifically dove into, I said, you know, Rash Chastain just does not have it. I'm all over Reddick. Reddick had a dismal night, so, you know, or an afternoon on Monday, so can't get back into that. It was just more so Ross Chastain competing for a victory. Like, he's not worried about these head-to-heads. He's going for the victory. It's crazy how things have changed. So, in five races at Darlington, right? So, if we want to get into this specific racetrack, one top five, two top 15s. But he had some ship boxes that he was driving in 2021. He took over the 42 car. He finished 15th and third. So, you know, we're starting to see good equipment He's actually a, a guy who can wheel some of that stuff. Looking back at the 2021 Southern 500, you know, as that race went on, he was somebody like there was a million restarts, and every restart it was like, okay, when's this 42 going to drop off? He was there. He was a factor in that race. He was doing his job, pushing when he needed to push, going for it when he wanted to go for it, and came up just short but finished third. So that should have been like right then and there, like, whoa, you know, this guy, maybe he, he's got something here. Um, that was interesting to see. This season, his stats are absolutely crazy. I got to give props out to, to Roto Doc out there, our, our guys from Stacking Denny's podcast, because he threw a stat out there on Twitter after the race was over for Dover. In the last nine cup races this season, Ross Chastain has seven top five finishes. That's just insane to me. So let's just take a look at that bet right now. A top five for Ross Chastain this week on Barstool is plus 210. I am all over that, right? So if you hate this bet to win the race, plus 1,400, you got to keep that trend going, plus 210. And the two races that he were, was out on, right, the top five, it was the Bristol Dirt, which, you know, went crazy. And then it was Richmond. So... Let's uh, get all over this top five because he's competing every week and he's proving it. If you want to get even crazier, or, you know, minus 139, top 10 at Barstool. That's worth a look, minus 139. For a top 10 for Ross Chastain, absolutely. I like it a lot. The Apologies Tour starts here. If you want to even throw in against Alex Bowman, give me that smoke as well. But plus 1,400 is the value for Ross to win the race this weekend. And I think it's very doable with the way he's been competing this year and what we saw last year as well, driving the 42. So to recap the value picks, kind of a longer shots to win the race, Chastain, like we said, plus 1400, Willie B plus 1200 and Kyle Busch plus 1000. Let's go. All right. All right. All right. All right. So next we're into the finishing position segment of the podcast here. And this is also going to include our bet of the week. 
So stay tuned for that. But first, I just don't want to overlook a couple of the ones we threw out there earlier. So we talked about Kyle Larson. I like him at plus 130 for a top three. Into that right now, and we just got done talking about Ross Chastain, top five, plus 210 on Barstool. You could probably get him at a similar number at a different sports book if you don't use Barstool. But those two, I don't want to let that slip by while we're talking about finishing position bets. Now, let's get into a couple top tens here, and we're going to start with more of a value pick than the next one we're going to talk about. But it's Kurt Busch. So I guess I'm on both Bush brothers this weekend. He's plus 135 to finish in the top 10. He started this season pretty strong, but he doesn't have a top 10 in his last three races. But if you're looking at what you consider like normal, quote unquote, racetracks, he's done pretty well at those. So I would consider Darlington more of a normal track. Darlington in his last 10 races, two top fives, seven top tens. His average finish is 12.2 in that time span, which is 10th on the circuit. Driver rating his last eight races is eighth, 94.2. So pretty good stuff there. And just a year ago, he finished sixth in that fall race. So a little less than a year ago in the Southern 500, he and his teammate Ross Chastain at the time had good runs. So that's something that, you know, they can kind of point to. So I'm going more so of a value pick here. I know that this season has not been working out for Kurt and the, the 45 team, but I'm hopeful here that some of the experience that he's had in the past, I mean, 70% of the time in the last 10 races, and that's within different organizations as well. It's not like jumping to a new organization is going to impact that for Kurt. He's been kicked around a lot. Uh, I like it at plus 135. I think that's worth looking at at some decent value. The next guy that I'm going to call out, he's minus 129, and I would take that all day and night because his name is Kevin Harvick. I know a lot of people are kind of down on the forwards this week, but let's talk about Kevin Harvick because he's got 12 straight top 10 finishes here. I mean, have you heard that before? Does that ring any bells to you? Maybe Phoenix comes to mind? I don't know. Uh, Just absolutely insane that even last year, the quote-unquote bad year that Kevin Harvick had, he still finished fifth and sixth at the two races at Darlington. Like, that is exceptional talent. That is big time. The last time he didn't finish in the top 10, he was driving the 29 car. Like, come on. His whole time at Stuart Haas Racing, he's finished in the top 10 at this racetrack. So I expected the the top 10 number for Kevin Harvick to be a lot shorter than it is. His last 10 races, average finish is 4.0. That's first out of everyone. Driver rating, third, 112.3. I mean, he is just an absolute beast here. So why wouldn't you take that number minus 129? That is not too juicy. You know, it's not like too short for me. If it was like minus 160, yeah, I I would be struggling to throw that down. But it seems as if he just has something about this track that he loves. So if you're looking at this season and you're saying to yourself, well, Phil, you know, Harvick, he's really not that great this year. Well, five of 11 races this year, he's finished in the top 10. That's pretty good for anyone in this circuit right now and he's got two straight top 10 finishes so that to me strikes me as a veteran who is kind of figuring out this new vehicle and that would only bring us some profit this week here if he were to do it again so we saw it at phoenix he got it done at phoenix 
I think Darlington is another one of those situations where, hey, let's let's rock it, minus 129, and, you know, cross your fingers and, and hope that he continues to bring that level of excellence to this track. So Harvick, minus 129, is the top 10 pick there. So now we'll get to the toolhangers.com bet of the week. If you missed us last week or, you know, not sure what this is, had our a listener reach out. He's got his own company that he has called toolhangers.com. It's toolhangers with a Z on the end of it. And what they do is they specialize in custom tool hangers for storing and organizing and displaying on pegboard tool walls, circular saws, drills, batteries, cords, garden tools, hand tools, whatever you have, they'll have a product that fits the need that you have for your pegboard. These guys reached out and wanted to get involved with the podcast. I was really happy to do that. And so for starters, if you use promo code full tank on their site and get 10% off, that's great. We love that. Very cool that they put that out there. It feels so official um, to have a, a promo code to throw out there to people. But the other thing about it is the very creative thing was each week I get $10 and I can throw that $10 on whatever bet I want. It's the toolhangers.com bet of the week. Last week I used Hendrick Motorsports as the pick and I'm going to go with a similar situation this week. All right, because I had a lot of fun. I never really bet or talked about betting on the team bet on this podcast before, but last week at Dover, like it was an absolute blast. It was like, okay, Larson's my guy. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Uh, Bowman's my guy. Uh, no, 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 no. Elliot's my guy. Like to have multiple people that you can kind of, you know, weave in and out of to be cheering for was was very fun. So we're gonna keep it similar this week. The thing about it is, I get to bet on this, and if it hits, it goes into a pot that is going to hopefully build throughout the regular season. And after Daytona, we are going to see what's in that pot. And if you go to toolhangers.com/fulltank, you can register for winning that whatever that is at the end of the season as a gift card to their website. So very cool concept. I absolutely love it. So please give that a look. He put together a, a page for me on there that's going to list each track and the bet and what the total balance is for that. So so cool. Our guy Jordan over there got that done. So what I'm doing this week is kind of similar. Now, I'm not going to continue to do this. I'm, I am going to switch up the bet type, right? Some weeks it might be a head-to-head matchup. Others, you know, if I get too cocky, maybe it'll be a, a pick to win. Very tough to do that. But uh, I'm going to go with Toyota as a manufacturer bet and get that on multiple sports books but if you're looking at DraftKings, they're on there right now at plus 220 that's my bet of the week this week toyota plus 220 now here's the thing that's interesting for you as the gambler to begin with joe gibbs racing is plus 200 so toyota plus 220 you're getting two extra guys i mean you know kurt and bubba they might not have a real chance to win this race but extra 20 on that value there who wouldn't want that so instead of going jgr i'm going with toyota as a whole i'm getting the full jgr camp plus kurt bush and bubble wallace so looking at it right we talked about in our track stats toyota has the trend at this race seven of the last 10 races have been won by toyota drivers okay if you're looking at the odds to win the race you've got larson but then Three of the JGR cars are right up there. We talked about how we like Kyle Busch as a long shot, quote unquote, to win. But Denny and Truex are up there as well. Chevy has been dominant this season. They, no doubt about it. We talked about that a little bit ago. 
But if you're Toyota, if you're JGR, you're going to a track where you've been historically very good, this could be exactly what you need. We saw last week these guys started to step up a little bit. Denny looked good until he had his wheel problem. Then it was Truex, um, excuse me, then it was Kyle leading a million laps, it felt like, and then Truex towards the end was making a push. So I'm seeing good things out of that camp. Christopher Bell doesn't really have a great track record here, but he could shock the world. Who the hell knows? The active stats, the active drivers for Toyota right now have five wins combined, including back-to-back wins, 16 top fives, 29 top tens between all of them. I mean, I need action on Hamlin and Truex in some way as well. So this is the way I'm doing it. Plus 220, we'll try to add 22 bucks to the gift card on toolhangers.com. That's the bet of the week, and I'm feeling good about it. You know, I, I think that this is similar to last week where we're going with the numbers, we're going with the data. So we'll see if it works out for us. So to recap, it's Toyota plus 220, Kevin Harvick minus 129 to finish in the top 10, and Kurt Busch plus 135 for a top 10, in addition to Chastain top 5 and Larson top 3. Yeah. Can you send my baseball? Sure. There. Wow. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. Wow. That's good advice. So now we are at the head-to-head section of the podcast and didn't do so hot last week. We kind of saw the writing on the wall last week with the head-to-head and the podcast parlay after qualifying. I actually put out a an updated version of it on Instagram if you saw that, and, and that one actually hit. Um, so keep your eyes peeled, you know, reserve the right to maybe flip-flop some of these. But I'm feeling very confident right now um, before practicing qualifying you know, we saw some dismal stuff out of the guys we chose last week, so it was kind of scary. Uh, but head-to-head this week, I'm going to start with Daniel Suarez, who is the favorite in this matchup, minus 115, taking on Austin Dillon. And I don't know how Suarez is favored in this matchup. To me, it doesn't really make sense. So if you're looking at Darlington, Austin Dillon has two top fives, four top tens, average finish 12.3. Very solid. Suarez, on the other hand, is best finish in eight starts is 11th. His average finish is 23.9. That is not good. So let's throw out those three starts that Daniel Suarez had in the 96 car, which because that was just uh, not a good race car in any track. So you look at five starts in his career at Darlington and good equipment, mind you, the 19, the 41, and the 99. Austin Dillon has beaten him head-to-head 5-0. and oh. That's his record, 5-0 and oh versus Daniel Suarez in good equipment. All right. Then you say, all right, well, what about this season, right? Trackhouse having a really good year. Yeah. This season, Austin Dillon wins in the 11 races they've had so far, six to five head to head. He's got a better drive rating, 73.6 to 69.1, and a much better average finish, 14.3 to 17.7. So I don't understand why Dillon is the underdog. He's minus 105. Give me Austin Dillon all day and night in this one. Is Suarez just like giving up on the pressure here? I'm not quite sure what's happening. I took him last week to finish in the top 10. He let me down. And so now this is my payback. I got to get something off of him here because to make up for it. Because I thought after what we saw with Chastain winning, he'd be like, yeah, I want to be part of that too. And it just, I don't know. Does he start to question like, does he have it? Not really sure. Hopefully he kind of snaps out of it, but not this week going with Dylan minus 105. The next matchup we have here is an interesting one because it involves a guy who's part of the featured matchups. I was on Derek's Twitter spaces betting preview show earlier before I was recording this segment right now. 
and Chris Buescher was one of the topics. We talked about Chris Buescher in a head-to-head against Ricky Stenhouse. He's a heavy favorite there. I was kind of the only one saying Chris Buescher, only because the other guys weren't saying that uh, Stenhouse could really get it done. It's more so because the odds were so skewed. So this matchup was one I had picked out. Uh, Before going on that, I had already looked up my stats for Chris Buescher, and he's taking on Eric Jones, who is somebody else that people on the, the show had uh, some opinions on, you know, maybe taking a swing at Jones to win the race. I think in this head-to-head matchup, it's pretty interesting because I love both of these guys. I love that they're both doing well. We saw them perform very well last week at Dover. I just really enjoy seeing people like this do well, you know, lower tier equipment, they're able to step up. So this makes it a tough matchup. So you really need to dive deep here. Eric Jones in eight starts has one win, four top fives, six top tens, average finish 10.1, sixth overall in the circuit. His driver rating is unbelievable, 93.1. That's 10th. Awesome stuff there for Eric Jones. That's what we want to see. The books clearly think that that's pretty good too. But the thing is, all of his success has come with JGR at this racetrack. The last two races, last year in the 43 car, he finished 18th and 32nd. He had an engine failure in that race. That's a team problem. He's on the same team this time around. So that makes me feel a little bit sketchy. Then you look at Chris Buescher. Nine starts in his career at Darlington, two top 10s. Average finishes 17.6. Not the same as what you're looking at there for Eric Jones, but he finished ninth in both races in 2021. So when you're looking at Jones, he's kind of going down, and you got Busher improving a little bit. Started on the pole last week, finished eighth at Dover. You know, Rash Fenway Kozlowski really seems like they're starting to progress a little bit. And going back to his average finish here, if you throw out 2020, there was three races at Darlington. Something may have been off at Chris Buescher or that camp in 2020. If you throw those races out and then you just look at the the other races that Chris Buescher has been a part of, that moves his average finish down to just about 10, just over 10, which is right at where Eric Jones is in his career, right? Average finish for Eric Jones is 10.1, but all of his success came from former team. So that to me screams... Like, hey, we want to go with the guy who is improving lately and in the same equipment. He's used to it. Now, 2022, Eric Jones, he just moved himself into the playoff picture. 16th in points right now. He's 30 points up on Chris Buescher. So, again, I love to see that. I hate having to choose between these two guys, but I'm seeing an opportunity here for you as the gambler to try to take advantage of it. Um, this year, even though... Jones is 30 points up. Chris Busher has beaten Eric Jones 7-4 to four in the head-to-head matchup so far this year. So my pick will be Busher because of the consistency at this racetrack and this season, the head-to-heads this season as well. Um, I will not hate on the fact that Eric Jones is going off his 30-1 to one right now, throw a flyer on him to win the race. Yeah, sure, I- I'm fine with that. But in a head-to-head situation, I'm going to go with Chris Busher here over Jones. The last matchup... We have, I typically don't like to bring back somebody I already talked about on the podcast in a previous segment and throw them into head-to-head, but I got to do it this week because Tyler Reddick is favored minus 115 over Kevin Harvick minus 105. I don't understand that at all. I don't get it. We talked about Harvick earlier. We talked about him finishing the top 10, 
his success. I'm not going to have to bring him back up. You guys have heard me say that already. Let's start with Tyler Reddick then. 2022, 11 races, three top fives, four top tens. Pretty solid. He finished second at Bristol, but before that finish, right? So the second place finish at Bristol, that's great, but we kind of throw that out because it was that dirt race and it's kind of you know weird. If you count that out, he hasn't finished in the top 10 since Coda. That was March. He finished fifth there. That's how far back it's been. So he started out a little hot. And this is somebody, I'm somebody speaking as someone who needs him to do well. I've got season-long bets on Reddick, and I'm starting to feel like he's drifting the other direction here. And that definitely scares me a little bit. I mean, if you're looking at his last five races, including the second-place finish at Bristol, his average finish is 20.2. That's scary. So then you look at Darlington. I mean, limited stats here, five races at Darlington. And his average finish there is 14.6, one top 10, seventh. But it was his first start here. So you're not seeing someone improving. You're kind of seeing someone going the other way at Darlington as well. Last week at Dover was absolutely dismal. I, like, What are we talking about with, with Tyler Reddick there? It was embarrassing. It was like a guy who's getting into the car for his first time, wrecking in practice, wrecking in qualifying, wrecking in the race. Like It was just crazy. So then you, you flip it to Harvick, right? And by the way... Just as a reminder, Reddick is the favorite somehow. If you're going to beat Kevin Harvick in this matchup, you have to assume that he's going to need to be in the top 10. Because like we said, Harvick has that streak. I'm obviously betting money on him to continue that streak. So if you want to bet Tyler Reddick, to me, the hurdle is, can he be in the top 10? And for what we've seen, I don't think so recently. It just doesn't seem to be playing out that way. Harvick at Darlington in five races against Reddick, he's 5-0. and He's 7-4 and versus Reddick this season. I'm taking Harvick as an underdog in this one, minus 105. Lock it in. So to recap my picks here in the head-to-head matchups, I'm going Austin Dillon over Suarez, minus 105. Chris Buescher over Jones, minus 115. And Harvick, minus 105 over Reddick. Now to close out the, the head-to-head segment here, got a little bit of a treat here for Mother's Day. Last year... I tweeted out the Mother's Day parlay because I felt like it was worth asking some mothers in my life, my wife and my sister and my mom, who they like, you know, giving them uh, some options to choose from. So last year I tweeted it out and it missed by just one, but uh, figured we'd give it another shot this year. And this year I was able to record them. So uh, we've got some answers and some uh, interesting reasons why. So we'll start with my wife, then it goes to my sister, and then my mom finishes it out here for the Mother's Day Parlay. All right, Stacy. have to start by saying Happy Mother's Day. Hope you have a great day on Sunday, but have to ask you for our Mother's Day Parlay. You're going to get us going here. I'm going to offer you two different drivers. You can select one of them. We're going to go with Brad Kozlowski, in the six car versus Austin Sendrick in the two car. Stacy, who do you like? Thanks, Phil Tank Phil. I'm going to go with the six car because my birthday month, the sixth month is coming up. So I feel like that's good vibes. All right. Thank you, Stace. All right. Jack, you have the matchup of Kyle Larson, number five, the favorite, versus Martin Truex Jr., number 19. The underdog. Who do you go with? 
I'm going to go with the favorite, Kyle Larson, car number five. I used to be number five in middle school basketball, so I feel like I'm going to stick with the five car. That works. Okay, Mom, I've got you here with a matchup. This is a big-time matchup. Chase Elliott, number nine, is taking on Kyle Busch, number 18. Pretty even matched up here as far as the odds. Who do you like? Well, of course I'm going to go Chase Utley, did you say? Not Chase Utley, you uh, know, but Chase Elliott. Pretty close. Well, you so know we'll what? go with Chase. I'll go with the Chase because <laughs> I like Chase Utley. <laughs> Makes sense. All right. So there you have it, the Mother's Day parlay, absolutely foolproof reasoning for all three of those for why you should tail that parlay there. So thanks to all three of those great moms for participating in that and humoring me, and um, we'll see if it hits. Who knows? And happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there for this Darlington race day. So with that, it is now time to get into the Kentucky Derby talk. This is something that I've been looking forward to for such a long time. I absolutely love the Derby, the Triple Crown, everything there. But I'm not an expert. You know, I'm a Fairweather fan. I get into the the Triple Crown races, especially the Derby. Obviously, it kicks everything off. So I was thrilled when I got a message from what most people know her on Twitter as May Hemily. She's at Emily Optics EQ. She is a partner at Optics EQ, does work for Twin Spires, among other various places. She is very busy and she is an absolute expert in horse racing. Anybody that's a, a gambler on a weekly basis on horses, they know her name. So uh, she reached out and said, hey, love to come on. She's been getting into NASCAR a little bit. I've, I've talked with her a few times um, on NASCAR related topics, but when she offered to, to come on and talk derby stuff with me, I was thrilled. So thrilled, in fact, that you can hear me kind of like stuttering over my stuff. I was like just in awe and, and nervous to, you know, say the wrong thing. So absolutely stoked to have her on and hopefully you can get something out of her insights here because they are fantastic the derby coming up this saturday the race i believe will be around 6 45 at night so i think a lot of people out there may feel a little overwhelmed when it comes to the the horse racing topics emily does such a great job breaking this stuff down for us so without further ado let's bring her on to the podcast all right, and now I am very happy to welcome on, a lot of people may know her as May Hemily on Twitter, great Twitter handle, uh, Optics EQ. Emily, you are our new resident horse expert here. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast to talk to Kentucky Derby. I'm totally looking forward to it. I kind of invited myself, as you know, uh, in to do this. I'm a big fan of your podcast, so I'm totally looking forward to it and talking horse racing hopefully with, you know, somewhat of a new audience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you uh, sent the message out to me and since we connected and, and set this up, I have just been like so pumped to talk with you. Uh, so very exciting. I was counting down the, the weeks here for the Derby. I mean, I'm a big Derby fan, but I am definitely not 
an expert by any means. So to talk to someone of uh, your caliber is very exciting for me. Um, so I just want to, you know, get into it here with, with your background. And before we get into the, the actual Derby content here, you know, your, your huge horse rating, racing handicapper, expert, whatever you want to call it. How did you get into that world and kind of what are you up to right now? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it's kind of random. I mean, I've a lot of different things sort of led up to it growing up around horses and getting kind of my first quote unquote careers, exercise science, deciding I wanted to kind of get out of that. What do I want to do? Um, went to the track just sort of randomly with my mom, like, what should we do? And in town and saw the racing form. And I was just completely fascinated with the, with, you know, the data and the handicapping process that I'm like, all right, I'm going to, you know, read every book just because I'm, I'm kind of that person that just wants to, I learned something new. I want to learn about it. So started reading about horse racing, started playing tournaments, and then just kind of went that, went that direction, playing tournaments, having success at tournaments. Um, and then sort of one thing kind of led to another than my career is now in horse racing. Wow. That's awesome. Just like kind of a snowball effect. And yeah. here we are. So now you are a, uh, a partner at Optics EQ. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and what you do there? Sure. Yeah. Um, Optics EQ. So we're, we're an information provider, uh, typically with horse racing. It's kind of like a standard past performance that's that's been around literally forever. Um, and it's fairly static. It's pretty basic just as far as, you know, who the horse is, where they've been running, their running lines, how fast they've been running, you know, their, their company lines, jockey trainer, etc. And um, my partner, John Doyle, who won the NHC, which is the National Handicapping Championship, and maybe the easiest way to explain it, it's sort of like the World Series of Poker for horse players. Wow. Um, and he he won that before I had, I had met him, but he had, you know, just started playing horses full time, and just so much work watching, you know, watching replays and doing, doing all this work was like, this is just, it's not sustainable for one person, but in order to do this right, this is what you have to do. So he kind of started to kind of think about optics. And then the following summer I had met him down at Del Mar cause I was out there clocking horses, watching horses work out in the morning. Um, and we connected just kind of right away and, uh, both happened to live in Arizona at that time and started working on this project. And we really understand horses from, from, uh, the horse aspect where, you know, you're, you're handicapping speed and class and pace and form on um, stuff that's in, in a subjective area that is so different than just looking at a raw time. Right. And so that's sort of where, where optics came to be on optics.com. So we have a, a tool that uh, called optics plot, which gives a visual representation of the race shape, you know, where horses are going to be at the first call, where horses are going to be at the second call, their finishing ability for the stretch drive. So that's really great. Just in terms of having that visual, you can kind of see, okay, is the race going to be fast early? Is it going to set up for a closer? You know, what type of horse is going to fit this race shape? Um, optics grid, which will have all that kind of standard information that I was talking about. Uh, we do our own speed figures. We have some pace figures. Um, you can go back and look at historical plots within the grid. We do optics grades, which gives like an overall assessment of that horse's performance. So even a horse could finish fifth, for, for example, but they ran a quote unquote winning race. Uh, you know, we'd grade that accordingly. So you would know 
that fifth place finish is, is, you know, kind of better than look that horse can compete at a similar level and optics notes, which show, um, you know, what, how that horse ran in that race, you know, why horses run good races, bad races, if they had trouble, if they're capable to improve, if this horse needs, you know, shorter, needs the turf, needs a different jockey, all that type of information um, is all put together in Optics EQ. That's awesome. I mean, it, it kind of like what you said about your background, just like loving the, the data and everything like that. You have to be in love with the data to, to be in that world and, and to make that something that you're doing on a daily basis. Cause there's so much of it and hearing you talk about it, like I'm sure most of the people that are listening to this are, you know, NASCAR gamblers or, or fans of some sort, and maybe have dipped their toe in the, the horse racing world. There's so much to it that, you know, you're not even scratching the surface if you're like me, who's just like betting the, the bigger races. Um, and it's so like, you know, impressive to to just hear you give it the rundown of like what that does, not even like the, you know, getting into the, the meat and potatoes of, of what to read of it, just like the data itself is so overwhelming. So that's, that's awesome to hear about. Um, you, you sent me some, some images, some screenshots of uh, some stuff. And, you know, I'm sure it's not even like every, not, maybe even scratching the surface, but it was like, whoa, this is a lot all to absorb at once here. And, and I've been kind of looking at it since you've sent it over and I understand it a little bit better now, but just that, you know, those pictures were like, wow, there's so much to it uh, that you don't realize when you're just a, a, a regular horse racing gambler or fan. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, it, you know, taking, and I'm probably going to use some, some NASCAR examples, but I'm fairly new. So if I'm like over my head, please correct me. Just like so I only follow my face once, but you know, in, when you're watching, you know, you're watching a race, NASCAR race, there's so much that's happening. You know, there's so many like decisions that could have gone, you know, one way or another or certain results, or, you know, we just see that all the time. And essentially that's what we're doing. Like with horse racing is like with, with all those little pieces that are, that are kind of going into play because we're looking to kind of decide what's going to happen, you know, what's going to happen next time. Right. And so, you know, you could have, you could have a driver that's like very well met and having a great day, but you know, like the wheel comes off, you know, and it's like, they're all the way back, you know, they're all the way back, but it's like, they were, they were like in contention. Right. And like, there was that one little thing that happened that now when you're looking at that driver on paper going forward, you'll be like, oh, this driver doesn't do well at X track. Well, actually, you'd be surprised. They're pretty good. It's just there's that, you know, piece of information that's not going to necessarily show up in, you know, a, a raw stat. Yeah, exactly. When, when you were describing earlier, like a, a horse who finishes fifth, like that metric to me is is what a driver rating is in NASCAR, right? If we're making a correlation, like, you know, it's, it's a picturing the whole race as one uh, stat, you know, not just the finish. And, and that's, you know, exactly the, the type of thing you want to look for. You don't want to just look at the, the raw number, you know, at the end um, you, you brought up NASCAR. That's how we got connected. Cause you, you've been recently getting into it. Um, how did that happen? Like, is it, because I, I see a lot of similarities between horse racing and, and NASCAR uh, as far as a fandom and, and a gambling aspect, but someone like yourself, who's, you know, actually like got horse racing running through your blood, like what got you looking at NASCAR and even gambling in it um, more recently? Uh, yeah. So it, it's, it's kind of interesting. So I was, I was presenting at, at Bet Bash, which is a, a big sports conference. And uh, I encourage everybody to look that up and 
for next year get tickets right away because it's just it's such an awesome event um and i was presenting horse racing um to kind of a sports betting audience so i'm like okay i'm gonna kind of familiarize myself a little bit more with, with sports betting and research a little bit. And then when you start doing that, you're like, well, now, now I just want to get involved. Right. But it's a lot to, to kind of take on other sports and a lot of research and things like that. And so I'm like, well, here's this, here's a sport that's racing. Right. I, I know racing. And, um, maybe there's, maybe there's something there. Maybe I can have some skill transfer from like one, you know, one thing, one thing to another, um, and I, I honestly had never been interested in, you know, through somewhat culture and then, you know, who would want to watch things run, go around in a circle. And like, basically that's my <laughs> life. That's all I do. And that's probably the one thing in this world that I'm good at is watching things go around in a circle. So I'm like, okay, well, I can't really like have that as an excuse, like so much so that, um, I have a greyhound that I adopted and this is like in 2018, and um, his name is his name is Harvick when I adopted him. And I was like, that's a weird word. Like what? And I couldn't like remember it. And I, of course, I like changed his name. So like, I can't remember. And, like a month later, somebody's like, oh, that's a NASCAR driver. And I was like, yeah, there's no way I would have ever like ever got that. Right. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And then later on, I think like a month ago, I was like pulling up his pedigree for something and uh, his sire is, is flying Penske and it was like a, you know, cartoon light bulb, like went over my head and I was like, this all makes sense now. Um, yeah. <laughs> so so I kind of, I got into it. I got into it from that, from that aspect. And then there was, there were some similarities like with racing and, and as you mentioned, like the culture and things like that. So yeah, it is, it is really fascinating to me, but um, yeah, like the first, the first race I, I bet and like research was like Phoenix of this year. So well, yeah. the, the bets that either we have, you know, discussed and some back and forth on Twitter, or I've just seen you tweet out, like, I admire your style of, of NASCAR betting, kind of just like going for, you know, a, a greater odds, you know, for the gambler. I, I think you had like uh, Austin Dillon at, at one of the races for some pretty good numbers there. I saw you had Kurt Busch at Talladega. I remember that specifically, which was looking like a great bet. Uh, until that final turn. So I, I love that style of just like, yeah, you know, I'm not taking the, the, you know, low hanging fruit. I'm going for a, a bigger payout here. And, and, you know, you've been pretty close. I don't know how uh, you've been doing other than those two bets, but hopefully you're having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm doing okay. I'm figuring it out. I mean, I, yeah, I, if you, especially with horses, you can kind of talk, if you have like a little bit of a, a gambling IQ, you know how to look at data. There is some crossover, especially, you know, assessing value and things like that. And kind of knowing situations where like, I, I, I shouldn't play um, like Martinsville. I just was like, I just do not have a feel for, for anything. Like everything I've looked at, I'm like, I just can't, I can't get a, I can't get a feel for anything. So I'm just going to kind of pass, or I think I made like, you know, some bet. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm going to watch something for four hours. I at least need a little bit of action, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but for the most part, you know, if I, if I, if I see something that I'm like, this is, you know, this is a good bet. And some that, some that, uh, haven't cashed, but I've felt like, even though, you know, I've lost, I'm like, those are good. Those are good bets. You know, uh, yeah. maybe I'll, my mind will change, but I think that's important for, for gamblers to understand too, that, you know, if you're getting the best of it, like, you know, you're not going to win them all, but at least you're putting yourself in a position, you know, for like a positive ROI. That is basically what crosses my mind, like every single week, like as long as you can feel good about placing the bet, whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if you feel like you are making the most educated decision you can, then, you know, it, it's up to them now. Um, so yeah, you're, you're hitting me uh, in the right spot there. So the, 
Kentucky Derby versus, you know, just any other week for you, because there are horse race, horse racing is going on basically all the time. Twin Spires is the, the app that you most likely are using, or you definitely are using um, to place bets. And if you have that app on your phone, you will know, like it's overwhelming when you first start to open that up, there are horse racing going, there's horse racing all over the time, all over the place. Sorry. Um, And now they have like, you can watch the races on that app too. So are you just like amped up this week or is it just like any other week kind of heads down going through the, the numbers, just like, any other week that you uh, would be doing the same thing. It's, it's a little bit extra. I mean, the Derby, uh, the Derby is, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on. I mean, I'm doing multiple shows this week and, and articles. And I just finished a write up for twin spires. In fact, you know, kind of doing a full, a full card analysis. So there's, there's the extra work that goes on in the Derby, but also, I mean, as there's other, as you mentioned, there's other horse racing. So I follow Southern California. So I'm still doing all of Southern California at Indiana Grand that's running during the week, uh, you know, or now they're Horseshoe Indianapolis, you know, that track, Woodbine up in Toronto, that's another track that I work for. So I'm doing that, uh, Oakland, they have their closing week. So it's like, we have all the other normal racing stuff and then it's, and then it's the Derby. So, you know, yeah, it's great. It's super exciting, but, um, it is, it, it's a busy time. There's a lot of horse racing. It's a lot of work. Do you enjoy the like general public's attention on it? Like the fact that you've got schmucks like me who are, you know, getting into it, willing to talk about it, you know, cause I've, I've given my thoughts on the Derby the last couple of years on the podcast. Not that I'm, you know, an expert on it just because I like to have fun with it. Does that, kind of stuff like you're seeing people who maybe are not really qualified to talk about it going on shows, you know, the ESPN or whatever um, talking about stuff that maybe they're not qualified for, or is it just like, you know, rising tide floats all boats kind of thing. Like you're excited that everyone's excited. Yeah. I I think there's, I think there's a little bit of both. I'd say over overall, I'm glad that people are paying attention to horse racing. And if people are, you know, in kind of, already kind of the gambling space or sports space and take that next step and really want to learn, you know, learn how to handicap. Cause to me, that's, that's like the real fun. Right. I mean, it's, it's great cashing a ticket, but it's like, if you have an idea and then you cash a ticket, like that's, that's like the greatest feeling. Right. So I, you know, I, I love that, but there is, there is a lot of extra people talking about it as experts, even people in our industry, to be perfectly honest, that, you know, are, are, uh, a little crazy about it and, and feel kind of the expert going on. So, but overall, I think, I think it's great. Like the attention on it and people getting excited about horse racing. Great. So let's start talking about the Derby. Then um, we had the post draw on Monday night. I don't know. I, I always thought that it was a Tuesday thing, but um, Monday night we had the post draw, which is where they figure out, uh, what spot the horse is going to be starting from. So there's usually some, you know, white knuckling going on, I think with the trainers and the, the owners and everything with that initial thoughts on the post draw, anything that happened there that would change what you thought coming in at all about any of the horses. Yeah, this is, so this is a good question. And this is something that does kind of get talked about a lot and maybe, maybe over, maybe over the top, because 
you know, post position does make a difference, but it makes a difference like in context, right? Like with a horse's running style, which kind of horses they're next to as far as, you know, there's, you know, if you're a speed horse, but you have two other speed horses on your side, it's not like you're going to easily kind of break up between two people in an elevator, right? Like you've got to go and that's stressful. So there's more of those subtle those subtle nuances in terms of post position that I look for, you know, how is that going to impact this particular horse or, or adjust the, the race shape and the pace? Maybe it's a little bit faster. Maybe it's a little bit slower, things like that. Um, rather than just being, you know, kind of good post, bad post, where I think that can, uh, I had this discussion because a lot of, a lot of it comes up with the rail historically, um, or I should say up until two years ago, the way that they positioned the gate, there was like, a main gate. And then this is the only time I'll kind of back up a little bit. This is the only time in in U S horse racing where 20 horses compete. Right. So there wasn't a gate that was 20 horses. They had a regular gate and then they put like an extension one on. So there was like this little gap and then they had to kind of make it fit. So the horses on the rail were almost like into the gap. So if you were like in the rail and you're looking straight ahead, you're almost looking at the rail. Like, you know, if you don't turn, if you don't, turn right like a little bit like you're you're gonna crash like right into that so uh yeah so for a long time like being on the rail was really problematic because you know things can go wrong and especially because it goes right into that left turn so you've got horses that are coming over right so you've got to kind of get position in the last two years uh in 2020 they created gate that's 20 stalls across And because of that, they're able to kind of position it out so that the rail draw isn't like directly kind of head on into that post, Um, which is, which makes, you know, the rail position a little bit better. Um, So overall, I don't think there's any real strong disadvantages, advantages, um, you know, with, with the horses in this, in this race, it will come in, like I said, we'll come into play more subtle when you're talking trips and pace. So I, I want to actually, I, I'm trying to avoid just saying like, well, what do you think about this horse? What do you think about this horse? Cause that's not fun for you or, or probably anyone listening, but we touching on the rail. We got to talk about the, the horse that's starting there because it's a horse that I seem to be drawn to just like looking at numbers early on. Uh, it's Mo Donegal is the horse's name. And it seems like he is a horse with that new rail first of all why would it take like 146 races for them to get a, a 20 stall uh <laughs> thing like that that's ridiculous that the, the, that many races those poor horses on the rail had to do that but uh the fact that you know it's a better start than it has been kind of takes the the mystery out of that uh but this horse seems like he you know could potentially if he establishes position he, he could run pretty well he'll drop back and then um, work out a, a way to get it up there. It's a Todd Pletcher horse. Um, Ortiz is the, the jockey there. He's, I think, a known agenda uh, offspring. So he had a, a win at the Wood Memorial, I think. Uh, I have my, noting, my notes here. And he beat early voting, which was a horse that a lot of people like. So it was kind of like a little bit of a, a whoa, you know, what's this guy about? He's, he's pretty legit. Um, five starts, three wins, and, and two uh, shows. Um, so what are your thoughts on this horse starting in the one position? Like, do you think he's someone to, to worry about or, or have on your card in some way or not really? 
Oh yeah, no, I I think this horse is is absolutely leg- legitimate. Um, yeah, I mean knowing knowing this horse going back to even even its first start, which was a which was the third place finish, was at a sprint distance. So sprint races are all races that are under under a mile. Um, we noted that this is a horse that wants all the ground available. He's going to stretch out and get better. And that's exactly what he did. And his next two starts had that added ground. And then that third place finish in the Holy Bowl. And this is where we talk about like, you know, that, you know, driver, driver rating, right. Is that was a, that was a B grade. That was a better than looked effort and people that watch horse racing, or if you want to, you know, the replays on, on YouTube and you want to look that up. I mean, that is just such a good race from him. Um, very impressive. I, I think that was, you know, he maybe read, ran the best race that day, really got some experience out of it. And then in the wood Memorial, um, he raced down inside, he took a lot of dirt I and mean, he was just covered, you know, his face, the jockey, you know, dirt head to toe, which shows a lot of class because, you know, no one wants to get hit in the face with dirt. Right. And so <laughs> in order to do it and keep running forward, that shows like a different, a different level of, of class. He closed inside and, uh, my partner, John, that I mentioned that, that won the NHC, he's been following New York forever. And he was just really impressed with that race from like a time perspective, you know, from the overall time, you know, just a a very fast race and how fast those horses came home. It's a very quality horse. And he's a type of horse that's just gonna, he's just going to keep trying, you know, he's just going to keep, he's just going to keep running. He's got to keep grinding. He's not one that's going to sit close to the pace. So, you know, you're going to be, uh, as you said, white knuckling it a little bit throughout the race, but you just, you know, be patient that last three furlongs, that last quarter mile, he's just going to keep running a uh, very legitimate horse. Yeah. I think if a lot of people hear that about this horse, like how could you not root for a horse like that? Like that you're, you're speaking to most of the general public when you're hearing that type of uh, mentality that this horse has. So yeah, we'll, we'll, I'm going to hit you at the very end for kind of like thoughts on, uh, you know, exactor trifecta, super, uh, whatever on, uh, some, some horses to throw in there, but he's, he's going to be on mine, um, on a, a couple. So spoiler alert there. Um, let's talk about the favorite and and we want to make a point. We had talked right before we started recording about the odds in general, but the favorites, uh, started, as epicenter um and he came in with the most points in the um what do we call this now like the prelim races uh the, the road to the kentucky derby they gather points now um as opposed to the the previous system uh so he had the most points so for a while there he was five to one as uh the favorite and then it looks like the the new favorite right now is zandon um so what's the the point that people if you're a general horse better should remember when you're placing the bets uh around the odds and then let's talk about uh these two favorites and and who should be favored there sure so as far as as far as we say you know this horse is favored right now what they do is they they set they set a morning line and the morning line is based on what the morning line maker thinks the how the public is going to bet the race Okay. So it's not like, uh, you know, on, on Monday when they put out the lines for the race, right. And we're like, okay, you can, you know, you can so-and-so driver, you can get 25 to one, right. It's like what they think they think it's going to be. And then these odds are are constantly adjusting. Sometimes they're right. Sometimes, sometimes they're very, they're very wrong. And so in this case, you know, the, the morning line maker was kind of in between uh, whether they were going to make a percent of the favorite, you know, or Zandon, and ultimately, they they decided that they would make Zandon the morning line favorite, 
uh, in this race. Now, when the, these pools open on Friday, that could totally change. Epicenter could easily be favored, right? Like the, the line maker could be wrong and the public could just decide where we, the public is making Epicenter the favorite. They, they like that horse best. They think he's, he's most likely. Um, and I think that that could play, that could play out. I mean, Zandon is a, is a very quality horse. He's a, a very good horse. Um, and sort of has like, has like the buzz about him right now from like the trainer and the way he's been training, um, you know, the jockey, you know, certain, certain aspects like that, I think have kind of tipped, tipped the line maker to, to push Zandon where epicenter, as you mentioned, is the points leader. Um, he's won a lot of the, the major prep races down, um, at the fairgrounds down in new Orleans. So he has those four wins, the two graded stakes wins, and, and people have been impressed like with his, with his races. I mean, after he won the Louisiana Derby, um, people were like, oh, he's, you know, that was a very eye-catching race. This horse is like the clear favorite horse to beat. And it's just so funny how that race being on March 26th, like how much can happen, you know, in those like four weeks. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, so I think that's important, you know, for people to understand. And then in terms of the public adjusting the odds, it's different than like the sports books, right? We, this is what we were talking about before. So like the, the sports book will set what the line is. And when you make a bet, you take that number, that's what you're getting with, with horse racing it's a parimutuel system. So you're the, the odds are based on how the public is, is putting their money in. Right. So that the house, the, the track is already taking a percentage right off the top. So I'll just kind of, let's say it's 20%. And I know that sounds high and it is high and that's sometimes it's higher. Sometimes it's lower. That's probably an average, right? So if you put, if you, if you bet a dollar, 20, 80 cents of that is going into the pool. Right. And so everybody's 80 cents is now, is now adjusting and that's, what's creating the odds. So you are, your final odds are once those pools close, once those horses break out of the gate, not what you bet because you the pools open on Friday for this race that's, you know, close to two days away or 24, more than 24 hours away, uh, it'll shift so much between that time and then. So yeah, you kind of have to be, be a little bit, uh, you know, watching those pools and watching the odds and, and setting kind of fair odds. It almost seems like, uh, and I remember having this conversation with someone at a party or, or something uh, a couple years ago, but like, you don't want a horse that's good or, or like sneaky good to have a cool name. <laughs> because if they have a cool name, then the you know idiot public is going to bet on it. And it's like, damn, like you really wish you could get that horse because it's not like uh, you're, you're snagging them before everyone finds out about them. Like in NASCAR, like this week, you know, Larson opened as like six to one uh, or, or plus six fifty, And people were bragging like, yeah, I got that Monday, Monday night. And now he's down to, you know, four fifty. It's not like that. Like you just said. Um, so if they have a, a, a cool name or something, then you're going to get the, you know, the drunks uh, on Saturday to, to start throwing money down on him. And if he's a good horse and you like him, you're kind of cringing at that. Um, it's funny. Yeah, like, we've, you know, we've had that. We had that happen a couple of years ago. There was a horse called uh, my boy, Jack, that took just a ton of money. And people oh, were yeah. like, uh, you know, and Jack, and now this year there's a horse, the happy Jack, who's probably should be legitimately the longest shot. But it would be surprising if people started betting that horse just based on the name. And there was a horse that actually scratched a couple of days ago that only had one eye. And this has happened before, too, where horses with one eye get a lot of sentimental support 
uh, through the window. So uh, yeah. I've, I've, have I have a good friend that was, that was very sad that that horse scratched just because he's kind of a, we call a takeout reducer, right? Exactly right. So, but uh, before we move on from those two horses, I just wanted to throw a couple things out there and see what you thought um, on those two. Like I, my old bookie before uh, DraftKings came along, like, you know, the, the guy on the side, guy down the street kind of thing. He, he used to have head to heads uh, in the Derby and Preakness and, and such. So these two head to head, it seems like I would be leaning more epicenter because of his more consistent runs. Like you mentioned the Louisiana Derby. It seems from what I've read that the Louisiana races have been, you know, kind of top tier compared to some of the other places around the country and, also the world. Um, so that in itself, kind of like what you're saying, like the, the race is being graded, you know, better down there. That's one uh, check in his box. And then the type of race that he ran in that Derby kind of, if he can, you know, mimic that. So one guy said that it, it almost like seemed as if epicenter was running the race that he's going to need to run for the Derby. And he, he proved that he could get it done, which is exciting to see if you're a fan of them. Whereas Zandon, uh, I don't, I think that's how you say his name, Zandon. Um, he's more of a closer and closers haven't been as successful recently at the Kentucky Derby. Is any of that, what I'm saying, ringing true to you, or do you favor, you know, one or the, or the, over the other there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, there, there's two different ways. Like if you're, you know, head to head is, is totally different because you're, you know, you're looking at a horse like at Epicenter who has tactical speed. He's going to be out in front. So, you know, him getting into trouble, him getting into traffic is less likely, right? Uh, you know, because you're not you're, you're not having to worry about who's going to pick the winners, just who's finishing in front of the, the other one. You know, where Zandon does have he does have to kind of come from off the pace a little bit and in a 20 horse field, he could get into trouble. He could get into traffic. You know, a lot, a lot of things can go wrong where you have a horse that's, that's a front runner is going to avoid that. So in terms of a head to head, that might be the safer way to go. Um, in terms of betting a horse to win or like key, you know, keying certain tickets. I mean, I, I think Zandon's a better horse. I think Zandon could, could win, could win the race. Um, oh, okay. I mean, but at the same time, I could also see Zandon finishing sixth. Um, you know, an epicenter might not win the race, but he his running style might be able to hold him on for four. Do you see what I'm saying? Just yes. because of because of their their running style, where it's Zandon's a better horse, but he's going to need a lot of luck. He's going to need you know the seas to kind of part for him to make to make that run. Epicenter, um, it's just basically like if you you know runs out of gas at what point, you know, is he holding, is he holding <laughs> yeah. on, is he holding on for a piece? Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's different, you know, it's different in, in that sense. I mean, as far as, as far as grading the races, um, I, uh, I do notes down at, at fairgrounds down in Louisiana. So I follow all those races. I don't know if those races were, were that strong. I think they were okay. Um, epicenter, uh, he, he just wasn't really, in, in terms of speed, not necessarily super fast. I mean, he did, he did kind of improve incrementally, which is good. You know, you don't really want to see like a big jump because a big jump can sometimes see a big, a big jump backwards, but that's, you know, that's still a concern. And he was getting those favorable trips because of his running style. And today he's going to face 
a much different pace scenario than what he faced down at the fairgrounds. He's going to face a lot more competition than what he faced down at the fairgrounds in terms of distance. Uh, he's not a horse that I think is going to get better with more ground. You know, he's not like a Mo Donegal. That's just, you know, he's going to run all day long. Um, so I think there, I think there are some concerns with him. He's a horse that when, you know, if he was the favorite, uh, a horse I'd be playing against a horse, I'm probably still going to be playing against just kind of based on, you know, wagering, wagering strategies and, you know, how I want to cash tickets and things like that. But, but Xander on the other head, I would use, but, you know, in terms of head to head, I, I could see why people would go one, the other direction. Yeah. I didn't mean to, the, to trip you up with the head to head thing. I was just, no, that's know, kinda... good. That's yeah. No, I'm glad you said it. And a lot of people, and I'm sorry to cut you off. A lot of people will play those because those bets are offered in Vegas and through all the offshores. So those, you know, gotcha. I'm sure people are listening. will kind of take advantage of those. I mean, I haven't, yeah, because I use a, a legal bookie now, I haven't seen, uh, or, or twin spires. Um, and, and my guy is, is no longer around. Uh, I don't get those head to heads anymore. So, uh, I kind of wish I still had that option, but, um, so that's interesting what you're saying between those two. It seems like they're both kind of priced like too high. Like, I, I don't know, um, for, for what you're saying, but, uh, you mean, that, what do you mean by like a too high? Like the, 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 they're not as the gambler as enticing to bet, you know, to win, um, oh, you yes, know, be, because yes. I mean, to throw Zandon or, or, you know, Epicenter into a, uh, you know, Superfector or Trifecta or something. Yeah, that that makes sense. You're going to probably need one of those two in there. Um, but to to win the race, just, you know, from what you're saying, neither of these guys is a, a sure thing, really, uh, if there is such a thing. Um, so why, yeah, are, I- you know, three to one is just like not wet in the beak. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think the favorite in this year's Derby, like legitimately like a, like a fair odds would be like five to one. It'd be like where, where a favorite, where a favorite should be. So, and I think they will be shorter and, you know, mattress Mac. I don't know if you are familiar with him. (laughs) Yes. I follow him. Okay. So, you know, he's going to bet $4 million on a favorite. (laughs) So (laughs) he is. Yes. Yes. Did he come uh, out with who he's been with yet? Or, or he, you're just, no, he's, he's between, he's between those two. Um, <laughs> that's, so that's classic. Yeah, that'll take a big hit, you know, uh, on one of them. Yeah. So uh, as far as the pace, it looks like they could get some rain on Saturday, uh, maybe earlier in the morning. I don't know if you're too concerned about that when you're looking like, is that something that you're worried about? um coming up is that throw off any projections that you have and and then as far as the pace you know coming breaking out of the gate um what are you expecting to see uh that would make you kind of at ease after the race starts uh or something that would kind of throw you off like for example summer is tomorrow seems to be what people are thinking could be the the horse that jumps out there and sets the pace early, but I, I don't know. I wanted to get your thoughts on, on all of that. Yeah, I, th- I think he will. I mean, he's coming, he's, he's a little bit tricky to read because he's coming out of the races in Dubai. So he doesn't really have, have a local race, but in those Dubai races, he's, he shows a lot of early speed and he's more of a sprinter. So for him, you know, to win the race, when you have a horse that has distance limitations, they have to go as far as they can, as fast as they can. Right. And just kind of, you know, hope for the best. They're not gonna be able to pass horses, they're just going to have to go. 
So it's certainly one of the horses that's that's going to be fourthly placed, um, which does kind of bring in some other horses because there are other horses in here that also want to be fourthly placed. We we mentioned Epicenter, uh, a horse, the 17 Classic Causeway. Uh, that horse has legitimate gate speed. Like that gate opens and he just like pops, like he's just right, right out there, just legitimate speed on the front end. Um, and with his post position, you know, we kind of talk about this being on the outside. So, you know, he breaks quick, he's got to go because you don't want to take back, you know, and kind of lose ground from that spot. Um, but the horses coming out of California, number six, Messier, number 12, Taiba, both those horses, I mean, California races just come up fast. Uh, horses out there are just, you know, they train for speed. So both those horses expect to be in the first flight, be forwardly placed. Um, trying to see if I'm like forgetting anybody else as, as far as like the real front runners. I think, I think that's it. And then there's the horses that kind of press a little bit, Pioneer Medina, uh, simplification, white abario, cyber knife, you know, horses that want to be on or near the lead, but not necessarily need the lead type. Zozo is another one that's going to be out there. So it should be, it should be contentious. Um, the contention should be up there, whether they go, you know, super fast or not kind of remains to be seen, but there should, there should be contention. Having finishing ability will be key. When you see the, the break and maybe it doesn't go in a way that you've kind of thought, does that like freak you out in, in a big race like this or, or any race really where you've prepped for it and, and you're watching and you've got money on it? Or do you just say like, you know, it's going to shake out, you know, everything's going to kind of come back down to earth. Like I, I was just wondering, like everyone's feeling, you know, these horses are going to be the, the trendsetters here early, but like if, somebody random was up there like does that make you question everything <laughs> that you've thrown on uh on these horses or you just think like all right you know after the first uh little bit here it's gonna come back down to earth well i mean at, at this point you know and following these horses um you know since, since the beginning of their career there's some horses that just that just aren't fast enough to make the lead so it's like you don't really have to say like oh wow i you know bo donegal's on the lead like whoa that's crazy <laughs> who could have possibly you know it's like he's not even if they wanted to you know they were like we're gonna go from the rail it's like you're not fast enough you can't like yeah. there's you know you can try all you want you're not quick enough you know that's not it's there's other horses that are faster um so i don't i don't think that would necessarily be any surprise like a couple years ago in the oaks I had a horse that just stumbled and lost the rider like right out of the gate. I mean, that's just one of those things. It's like, yeah, at that point, there's, <laughs> there's no, there's no coming back from that. And especially when they win their next race, then it's like really annoying. But yeah. for the most part, you know, you kind of have an idea, you know, how these horses run and following these horses enough to know which horses tend to kind of break slow sometimes. So that's not a surprise either. You know, you're sort of building that into to what's going to be a fair odds, you know, a horse like Zandon, uh, he has shown the tendency to break slow. He most likely will not, but you, you at least have to play out one scenario. Well, what if he does, you know? You mentioned a horse that I wanted to bring up to you because of who isn't at the Derby this year. And it's, it's Bob Baffert, um, obviously suspended for what happened last year, but he still is loosely involved. There's a horse Number 12, like you said, Taiba. And this horse seems like it's pretty legit uh, in, in just my novice eyes. Uh, very fast horse, seems like caught uh, Messier 
in uh, his last race, I think it was to to win the Santa Anita Derby. Um, Gun Runner is the the horse um, that was his sire. Um, that was a horse that was a 2017 horse of the year. Finished third in the Derby. Um, went on to have a really good year. Mike Smith is the jockey. Just a lot of good things that you have when you're looking at the stats as a novice. From your perspective, what are you seeing with this horse, and um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, after he's he's certainly certainly talented. Santa Anita is another circuit that I follow. This is the circuit where I watch horses train in the morning. So I watched this horse, you know, before his debut, and you know, he was he was a talent um, in that first start. And I I I even pushed him on the Opti CQ video to win the Santa Anita Derby in a slight upset. Uh, you know, just. To, really based on the fact that that field was kind of weak and here's a horse that has some ability and it's kind of could be kind of right place and right time. Um, so yeah, Taiba has a ton of ability. And after the Santa Anita Derby, you know, looking at his for all the reasons, you know, that you mentioned, you know, he's fast enough. He has that tactical speed. Um, he's talented. He's got a good rider. He's got capable connections. It was kind of a horse that I'm like, I'm, I have to, you know, I have to use, like there's basically in like a win spot and like a win spot only because he's kind of the type of horse that he's either good enough to where he wins this race or this is just way too much too soon and it, he doesn't want any part of it right and especially for these for those type of connections that you mentioned you know where the the, the barn is in to win so now, now that said, I've, I've kind of cooled off a little bit and I, I still will use him in, in some tickets. He's not a horse I'm going to make a win bet on because I can't, <laughs> it, this is like a very weird scenario, but he's not a horse I can find any type of number that like makes sense, right? Because if he's, if he's five to one, I don't want any part of him way too short. And then if his odds are too long, then it gets in the territory where you're like, okay, that's bad. Like he's not taking any money. Now yeah. I don't want to part, you know? So it's like, there's no, there's no number that I can like reasonably be like, okay, that's fair odds. I just, I can't, it's like a, just a massive question mark. So it's like a horse I would use like on top of like, you know, the multi-race tickets and, you know, things like that. Um, but, you know, in coming out of the race, he's only worked once, um, you know, in 28 days since his last race, that's a bit of a negative. So there's some negatives that are, that are attached, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't steer anybody away from them that liked him because he is a very talented horse. Okay. Yeah, he's going off a 12 to one, I think right now. Um, I think it, you make a good point about like where his number will be on race day. Like once people start to, you know, do some research or they're following the, the show, the pre-race shows, um, and they see that, you know, it used to be in the Bob Baffert barn. Just, is that going to get people to want to throw money on him? Is that going to say, no, he's a scumbag. I don't want anything to do with him. Like that sort of thing that like non horse related stuff that <laughs> is, uh, going to influence people one way or the well, other and, and and horse people as well because you know we're we're also like equally as like what are we getting are we getting a, a bob baffer horse or are we getting a horse that i i mean i'm not i'm not afraid to say it, like where all all the juice is off you know i mean what are we yeah. what are we getting yeah. you know yeah. what are we getting this year <laughs> uh we don't know um so yeah i mean it's it's not just it's not just outsiders us in the industry are kind of like you know we're going to have to see you. You mentioned Messier. That's uh, who he tracked down in Santa Anita to, also, to win. Also a former Baffert horse. Yes. So it's a stable mate. 
named after Mark Messier. Uh, I'm a former hockey player, former real hockey player now, just a men's league hockey player. So this uh, is a horse that would get a lot of people in uh, my friend circle interested. But um, I saw someone say in one of the things that I was looking up that he's comparable to Medina Spirit. Uh, I have no idea what they meant by that uh, or, or, you know, obviously Medina Spirit um, came and won the show, but uh, I don't know if that's true or not. You know, do we, do we really want to throw a lot of stock in that? He had four starts, two wins, two places. Um, what are your thoughts on Messi? Like, is he kind of being overlooked a little bit? He's eight to one. He's, he's a better or, you know, more of a favorite than um, Taiba. Uh, anything to take note of with him? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that comparison is probably just because of his race record is pretty similar to Medina Spirit, just where he's finishing first or second. You know, actually, I think Medina Spirit had a lot of seconds in his in his record, but still, you know, kind of had that that same kind of speed figure, same finishing where he just kind of has that early speed and he can stay on. Um, and that certainly makes him capable, right, for the same type of trip as we talk about with Epicenter. As... Uh, the race that really bothered me about this horse, uh, actually, he has he has kind of a few races. I mean, going going all the way back, um, he made his debut in June at Los Alamitos, which is like right before Del Mar, which is like the premier meet. And knowing Baffert, his good horses they debut at Del Mar. They don't they don't debut at kind of Los Alamitos. So that's like a little you know a little weird. And um, then he then he broke his maiden at, at San Anita later in October. So ended up skipping the entire Del Mar meet. It was a very weak field um, that he beat. Then he had a favorable trip and his graded stakes win just kind of had the race flow in his favor. And then the Los Alamitos futurity and that was his first start around two turns. And he just completely lacked a finish. Like just no excuse. Just the horse ran by him and he just was like, you can you can go on and win. I'm cool. And I, that just completely bothers me about horses, athletes, uh, a few drivers I feel that way about that just, you know, <laughs> they just kind of lack that lack grit, even when they have the talent to win. Um, and that's how I feel, you know, about Messi. And then he beat another weak field and then he had a, he had a perfect trip in the Santa Anita Derby and, and Tybo was just better, um, you know, better than him. So that's, that's just kind of what, if he has that tendency where he can give it up without excuse, that's just something you have to consider with odds. Um, fast enough, has the right running style, consistent, you know, connections, all that, but, um, just could lack that finish. Interesting. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I, I would not be a, a fan of uh, a horse that doesn't have that competitive edge. I think uh, Mark Messier would be upset with that horse being named after him. But um, so we talked about a, a lot of the horses at the top of the, the grid here with the, the odds. Anybody that you're seeing stands out to you as undervalued right now. That's not getting a lot of play, not getting a lot of talking about um, someone who could find themselves not necessarily asking to pick like a long shot winner, but somebody who you would want to have in your your ticket. Yeah, um, I mean, this this year it kind of seems like there's like that top tier of horses. There's some horses at the bottom and then there's, you know, kind of the, the middle. The horse that's probably intrigues me the most is probably going to kind of be a long shot just because there's the lack of information um is the number seven crowd pride 
um, who based based in Japan and then won um, the Dubai kind of their their derby over there and immediately came to Churchill Downs and they've been training him up to this race and uh, Japan just as you know a, a horse racing contingent I mean they've just been winning all over the world they won a couple Breeders Cup races they had an amazing Dubai uh, carnival um, there's just there's a lot of positives. And this horse as an individual is good. He's a good horse um, and has some ability. So uh, definitely a horse I, I'm gonna I'm gonna use. Uh, a horse that could just uh, willing to accept that he just doesn't show up and doesn't take to the circuit, and and I'm okay with that. But you know, odds wise, it's probably going to be about twenty to one. Um, I would imagine. I'm I'm glad that you brought him up. He is twenty to one right now, so it'll be interesting to see where that ends up going off at. But I, I had him written down as somebody to ask you about. So I'm glad that you brought him up. I mean, I, I saw that they're saying like, this could be the the strongest Japanese horse that we've seen at the Derby maybe ever. Um, and there a lot of stamina in this horse. So the thought when I heard that was like, well, maybe you have him in a, you know, a, a superfecta and, you know, he sneaks in fourth or something um, while everybody else is kind of dropping off. Is, is there any merit to that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I've used them in, in all four of those spots, but yeah, I, w- I could absolutely see them in the, on that ticket finishing in top four. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, that was, uh, I'm, I'm got a smile on my face right now. I'm happy that you said that the fact that uh, I wanted to ask you about him. So, so, uh, I guess anybody to avoid cyber knife, uh, I read that he's a bit of a head case for a horse and the 20 horse field might be a, a bit of a problem. Um, Arkansas, you know, races, uh, not as strong, I, I guess, let me pause there. I, you know, I, I mentioned Louisiana, you kind of said, and eh, not the best, what's the best like area that you've seen that, you know, the horses coming from that you're, you're feeling pretty strong and before I, I continue with cyber knife yeah it, actually that, that's a good question because I think everybody's kind of like where you know where was the where were the key races this year where did they come from um and and possibly possibly New York um there was the fair though was the fairgrounds race that uh Zandon ran in the risen star that was a good race um, there was a couple horses like smile happy came out of that race. Zandon was in that race. That was, that was a pretty good race as far as like the quality, um, in, in Louisiana, uh, the New York race, I think was also pretty good. That was Zandon and Modonegal came out of the Remsen back in December. Um, that race has been pretty productive. Uh, Florida typically is like, has, you know, some good horses, um, and California certainly as well. I mean, California has been you know, a lot of the Derby winners have come out of California, um, Baffert being part of that. Um, but I, you know, I don't think there was necessarily a super strong circuit this year, um, to follow, uh, but a couple key races that have been stronger than others. Okay. So then that kind of fits the bill with cyber knife here, um, coming from Arkansas, I believe, unless I'm wrong about that, but, uh, they're saying, you know, big crowd might throw this horse off. I'm always looking for, as they're loading them into the, the gate, you know, what, what horse is going to be kind of giving them problems and, and they have to hold up everything around that. Like this could be that one, but apparently he's training really well um, right now. So this could be a horse that's worth the price right now, 20 to one. It's the number 16 horse. Um, 
is he someone that you would avoid or just kind of uh, going with the flow with him? Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's not for me. I mean, he's he's a long shot horse. But the thing you mentioned in terms of being a head case, it could also be a physical issue because he just drifts. Uh, you know, he doesn't hold a straight line in the lane. He doesn't respond well to the whip, which I don't think you necessarily want, you know, in a stretch drive with the top horses, uh, you know, to the wire and the horse is kind of zigging and zagging. Uh, and that's something that he's done in, in multiple races. He's also caught some perfect trips, uh, some favorable fields. I would say probably if anything, the Arkansas races were a collectively weaker group out there. Um, so not the strongest competition either. So, you know, he's, he's not for me. Um, but I, I do know some people that like him and he's, you know, going to be a big number. Okay. So I guess anybody else to avoid then, or, or is that really it? I mean, we've talked about a lot of horses here in a pretty short amount of time, but anybody else that we haven't talked about that you're, you want to keep people away from? Yeah. I mean, in terms of, um, in terms of like avoid, typically the way that I would, I would kind of approach that is I, I, I mean, the horses that are long shots, you know, their long shots are going to be compensated in odds. You know, you're not going to have like the fastest horse, right? That's why they're long shots. So typically when I'm looking at like the favorites, right? Are these favorites vulnerable, weak? That's where, that's the horse. Like I'm going to try to like get out of the mix. Right. Cause I know you're going to start talking about like trifectas and things like that. There's, just from like a, a ticket standpoint, like a gambling perspective and with horse racing, that takeout being so high, you're not going to make money betting a trifecta with the first three choices in the betting. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, in, in the horse racing world, we see this all the time where it's like they box the three favorites and it's like, why even you know why even bother it's going to be you're going to cash one but losing strategy overall so when you're looking at those tickets you'd be looking at like okay you know epicenter and zandon these are the two favorites if i can't have both you know which one am i going to key on or if i'm going to use both which long shot am i going to try to hook them up with you know those those types of things is like the way i would i would kind of approach like from like the gambling standpoint that's Kind of where my head's at. So I want to throw, I guess, kind of thinking out loud um, to you and, and you can kind of say like, eh, I'm not a fan of that or, or yeah, you know, that that makes sense. Um, I, I, I like Mo Donegal, everything about him. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm drawn to that number, that that horse uh, 10 to one right now from the number one spot. So I, I would want to have him in my picks. Um, I, I feel like I am drawn to the 12 like we talked about the uh taiba uh 12 to 1 right now and uh and then so those are both you know not the favorites but like definitely the higher half of the the 20 horses and then i'm trying to find someone that would kind of sneak in kind of jump in and, and that's where i was landing with the seven horse crown pride um the fact that uh, you called him out as well. It gives me a little bit more energy with that. So I, I guess, you know, those three, Mo Donegal, uh, Taiba and Crown Pride that would probably get you a pretty good payout there if that were to hit um, in, a, in a trifecta box. Um, hate that. Love that. Lukewarm. How do you feel on that one? No, I, I, I yeah, I, th I think that's fine because you're, those aren't the favorites. You know, you're kind of, you know, taking a shot. You can box them in an exacta, which is the first two finishers of trifecta. 
you know, first three. And then you can also uh, kind of key those horses, right? So if you like, if you want to key like the one, one, seven, 12, right? One, seven, 12 in that first spot, one, seven, 12 in that second spot. I'm going to hit all in third, just hope for chaos, right? There or, you even go. The favor- okay. or even the favorites, right? I mean, even the favorite runs third, it's still going to pay, it's still going to pay great. So you can kind of key that way, right? Or let's say, you know, you're, you're even, even less, you want to be a little bit tighter, maybe looking for a little bit more chaos. And you're like, Mo Donegal, I know he's going to finish, you know, he's got to finish first, second or third. So I'm going to key him in those, or I'm going to key Mo Donegal to finish first or second. Then you could really use a lot of horses to kind of mess around with in those other spots because it's, it's tough to, you know, figure out who's going to run third, right? It's, it's tricky. So you have like, you know, you can give yourself a little bit more, a little bit more room kind of keying, keying around those horses, if that makes sense. So in those, uh, you know, trifectas and, and, and exactas when you kind of have a key horse and then you need that horse to, you know, to show up for you and then get a little bit of luck and get a little bit of chaos and, and, you know, hit a good ticket. Yeah, that is, um, that's a great point. I'll admit that I have not in the past, like kind of used that strategy. I've been pretty, um, you know, pretty tame, I guess, with my bets of just like clawing out, you know, three horses in a, in a box and, and wrapping it up and, you know, crossing my fingers, but the, the key aspect of it, I, I would definitely be getting into that, uh, especially when you start to fall in love with horses uh, specifically, like I seem to be here with the one horse um, that's a, and that's then, a and great then, strategy. And then, bet, and then bet to win. Always yeah. bet to win. Okay. Okay. Good. Just yeah. make, making that clear. Cause that's always going to be your best, you know, your best bet in horse racing. And you know, <laughs> you don't miss the trifecta. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, Mo Donegal won and paid like, you know, 28 bucks or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that's a really good way. And that, you know, that took me a while of playing and having some, some good mentors that, you know, that really help with wagering because it's so different going from like the handicapping of horse races into betting like i'm still learning that's like a, a deeper learning curve for me to figure out how to bet but um that's that that kind of key method when you're trying to kind of get horses out or you know just try to focus your tickets a little bit better any um preview into some horses maybe that i didn't mention that would be in your uh hypothetical trifecta or um you kind of still working through that right now this part no, of the week. I, I mean, yeah, it'll, you know, it'll come up to odds if weather comes into play, sort of upgrade, downgrade, like how the track profile is playing. But but for the most part, I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm kind of fairly similar. Um, you know, Mo Donegal is a, a big key for me, you know, kind of top pick in the race. Um, and 7-10, seven, seven, uh, the 10 being Zandon. Um, but again, I, I'm, you know, have the 12 on top and probably more of like my pick fours and things like that. You know, the multi-race tickets that are, that are going on on that sequence um, and then just kind of see, you know, what I want to do with them as, as far as, you know, trifectas and exactas and supers and things like that. Um, yeah. A, a lot of my play is, is more, is more multi-race, uh, but it's uh, these exactas and trifectas and um, at optics, we used to run like the uh, players pool for twin spires and would you know where people could put in money and we'd have like a couple thousand dollars and put tickets together and you know that's 
Superfecta a few years ago was like 16,000 that we hit, you know, wow. so you can really, you know, it, these, these can really pay out in the Derby. That's great. With 20 horses. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, um, I feel like we've talked about a lot of, uh, the, the horses here, anything else you want to mention for the, the Derby? And then I have one last question, uh, for the Oaks. Uh, I, I think that's it. I think it's pretty good coverage. I mean, I've done a lot of other stuff. People follow me on Twitter and I've done, you know, more breakdown if they want to hear kind of the horse by horse thing, but I think that's a lot of really good information. Great. Um, real quick, then I'll get your thoughts on the Oaks, which is Friday, which I find, I, I don't know what it is about me. Like I love the trucks in NASCAR. It's like, you know, they're always earlier in the week than, uh, the, the cut races because, I, I love cashing something early and then you have that money to play with. So for the Oaks, we're not going to get into to full detail here, but it, it seems as if the favorite in that one is the favorite's name nest. Um, yeah. The four, the yeah. four horse that seems to be uh, a pretty, you know, good pick or, or what, you know, will be going off as a, a pretty short odds there on race day. Is that the play? Like if you were just to play a horse to win, you know, throw, throw the bank at uh, the four horse, or is there another one that you think is more likely to win? Yeah, I, I think, I think actually the Oaks is a really interesting race. I think it's very contentious. I think Ness could certainly win. I don't, I'm not as high on her as a lot of people are. Um, I kind of think she's kind of the second coming. I'm, I'm a little concerned actually that she can regress off her last race. Um, which is the race that people are like, she's a freak. She's the greatest thing. And I'm like, <laughs> well, she could back up off that race in my, in my opinion, if she does, um, there's a lot of horses in here that, that are very talented. A lot of, a lot of horses that, you know, have, have wins. Um, and, and, and people, people have kind of discussed this race a little bit. Like, you know, I think Nest will be the favorite, but the 10 Kathleen O will probably be close. If Kathleen O's favorite, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, some other horses in here, Echo Zulu, uh, another one, uh, undefeated. I mean, she could be favorite. She was kind of the early favorite, um, the juvenile Philly champion, um, her return race didn't get people that excited. That's why they've kind of cooled off from her, but, uh, that hype could easily come back. Um, and she can be in there. And then there's just, there's some other really good horses. I'm going like kind of a different direction, um, in this race. I, I like nostalgic the two. I think she's just a very progressive filly. She's coming into this race the right way, improving race to race distance wise, um, just is going to handle it. And a horse is probably going to be overlooked, even though she's coming off two back-to-back wins. That's how contentious this race is. And then the number 13 on either Maidan Dubai is going to be like big for me, or it's going to be a just complete bust. But uh, this filly is, has some real ability. I mean, she didn't just win that race, but she's come over and she's been working absolutely lights out. Um, she's got us a fire. One of the other horses in this race who finished second, uh, to Kathleen. O. um, Shahama, the 13 has just been toying with her in the morning. Um, so she just seems very live. Um, it could run a good race and has a very, very good jockey, uh, and Shahama's stable mate to nest. They're both trained by Todd Pletcher. So, you know, I, 
not really sure there, but I think that race is, uh, and Bensie Valentine is another one, number eight, another horse that's, uh, that could certainly win. So, um, I'm glad you brought this up because there is the wager. That's the Oaks to Derby double. I don't know if you, if you played that before, that's I've, like one of my, my yeah, I have, bets. I have not played it before, but I've seen the, the ads for it. So you yeah. so go ahead. Yeah, I, I love that. I mean, you talk about, you know, being alive. I mean, you're, you're, if you win the Oaks, you're sitting on a live ticket, right? You're sitting <laughs> yeah. on whoever to mow Donegal. And typically this pays, the double Oaks to Derby double pays more than the parlay. So it's a good, it's a good bet in general. Um, but yeah, so people can, can look at that. But that's, that's kind of the direction that I'm going to go is, is definitely play here. Um, I probably won't be using Ness just because I think she's too short, but she could certainly beat me. Um, and really keying off uh, the two nostalgic and the three uh, and the 13 Shahama. I am so glad that I brought this up. I know I didn't uh, tell you that I was going to ask you about that ahead of time. So I am really happy because uh, I probably just would have gone blind into it, said, yeah, you know, Nest, whatever. Um, you have talked me off the, the Nest train. Well, so. you can still use Nest because it's going to pay well. <laughs> no, I, I mean, don't no i mean that's that that's why you know i i just love hearing the the types of details you know that 13 horse seems really intriguing um you know it just i i am glad that i brought it up not you know just going in blind but having more horses to play with um for not just the the oaks to derby double but you know the kentucky oaks itself um putting some, some parlays together there. So I appreciate the, the insight there. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is a good race. This is a very good race. The Oaks on Friday. Yeah. I, I very much look forward to that one as well. Um, each year it's always, like I said, I don't know what it is about me and the, the races before the, the big one, but, um, yeah, that should be fun to watch. So, uh, Emily, I really appreciate your time. You've, you've, been on here for um, a while now. So I'm taking a lot of your time and a busy week for you. Thank you so much for reaching out and uh, coming on here. This has been a blast to, to have this conversation. Where can people find you? Where can they absorb your content? You know, what should they look for to, to find you? Yeah. So uh, basically my social media presence is just through Twitter and it's at Emily Optics EQ, O-P-T-I-X-E-Q. Um, OpticsEQ.com. Um, for all the data, we have a good weekend package. It's our, our dirty package. It's $50 and that's full access for all the, all the data um, for every track that's running, not just Churchill Downs. Um, and this is data that if you're, again, if you're, if you're gambling, used to looking at data, I know it's a different data set, but it, it, you're going to be surprised like how easy being able to find value um, just with like a short little tutorial on um, to kind of make some money if you want to go that direction. So uh, optiscu.com um, and then over at Twinspires, um, I do the videos each day if you're on the on the app um, for Horseshoe Indiana, the analysis for each race. And then at Brisnet, um, I did do full card selections for the Kentucky Derby as well. Awesome. You are super busy right now. So I wish you a lot of luck this week. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. I'll, I'll be talking to you online. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And I'm looking forward to the uh, Darlington episode. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm going to go dive into that shortly here. So hopefully, uh, hopefully it's a good weekend all around. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you again.
Well, that's going to do it for this double episode here, Darlington and the Kentucky Derby. Thanks once again to May Hemley for coming on and joining me to give some insight for the Kentucky Derby. Huge racing weekend all across the board, so make sure you get your bets in while you can, early and often. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you next time for Kansas. Go. Hell no place to go.